Hello and welcome everyone to the Almost Awesome Podcast, the only podcast with no clearly marked emergency exit signs. I'm your host, Tanner Rainhirsch, and I've been taking some time off for personal reasons. Haven't had time to really get down and do a review of anything for the podcast, but I don't know if you guys know this, but Star Wars just came out, and it is my duty, nay, my destiny, nay, my, um, something else, I don't know, let's, let's just talk about it. Now, <laughs> I want to level with you guys. I've been trying to record this for a little while, and, like, my stupid computer keeps stopping when I record this. So, I've prepared stuff, but I actually talked for, like, an hour and realized it wasn't recording. So, I'm going to try and get through this as quickly as possible, because I, because there's some stuff I want to talk about. Now, the first thing I want to get off my chest is that the whole reason I started this podcast was because of the negative reaction that The Last Jedi got, which I've talked about before. But basically, I didn't like how a lot of fans complained about it and would just devolve into racist and misogynistic tweets on the internet. So that was the whole point of this podcast, was that I wanted to add some more positivity to reviews. Some more nuance. And I also learned an important lesson from all that. I shouldn't hate something just because I don't like it. Or just because it's not what I would have done. Now that guiding principle was my saving grace with this. Because, oh boy, were there a lot of things I did not like about this film. So, I'm not going to get too much into the plot. So, but... I'm going to go off the assumption that you have seen this film or at least been familiar with it. Now, if you haven't seen this film, I am going to get into spoilery stuff. So, please, go see the film. Don't let me or anyone else deter you from seeing this if you are a Star Wars fan. Go see it because this film is fun and exciting and it's gripping. One of the best ways I can put it is that... Funny enough, Martin Scorsese was quoted recently saying that Marvel movies in general are theme park attractions. That they don't really explore the intricacies of human connection. Now while I disagree with him, it's kind of an appropriate metaphor for this film. But not that it's shallow or anything like that. It's because it's fun and adventurous. It's exciting. This whole movie is. The character banter, the the character chemistry is so palpable. It's so amazing. This is the first time that I feel like Poe, Ray, and Finn, the three leads of this film, felt like a trio. And I love their interactions with each other. I love C-3PO in this. He was the best he had ever been. I loved all... Some of the action scenes were really creative, how they got out of situations, which I always look for. And, yeah, it's kind of like a theme park, but I think that if a movie is able to suck you in and make you feel like you're part of the action, I think that's pretty great filmmaking, in my opinion. But, 
I did have some major problems with this film, and that's mostly what I'm going to be talking about. First off, the pacing is a little weird, at least at the first third of this film. It's... It's a lot of new information happening all at once. The movie goes from one setting to another without really giving it time to really suck in the atmosphere. And there's a lot of new characters, a lot of new information that's being thrown at you all at once. And after second viewing, I was able to pick up some things that I thought didn't make sense and go, oh no, this actually does make sense. Um, which led me to a discussion with somebody. It's like, is a film really good if you have to watch it multiple times in order to pick up everything that was in the plot? Now, short answer is yes. It's still a good film because the information is still there. You're just looking better for it now. You've learned how to read the film. Now, that's a whole topic for another podcast episode. But my point is that if the information is in this movie, then it's good. So even though it's a lot, there's a lot of action, a lot of characters... A lot of stuff thrown at you, especially in the first 20 minutes. That can be a little bit jarring. So, even though I didn't get confused at any point, it's understandable if other people do. So, but I don't think it's a mess, structurally. Like, it's still cohesive and coherent. Though, there are a few plot holes. Or at least weird questions that arise. For example, there's a new character named Janna in this film, who is a former stormtrooper like Finn. And like Finn, she was taken from a family she never knew. Now, one of the returning characters is Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian. Now, Lando states in this film that he was with Luke and they were looking for some Jedi hunter... And that took him across the galaxy. But then he just decided to stay on some planet. Because he was just like, yeah, whatever. So, not really given a lot of information there. He shows up to help the characters later on. And then at the end of the film, after everything's been won, spoiler alert, and everyone's partying, Lando's kind of sitting by himself, and then Janna kind of sits next to him and goes, So, General, where are you from? He's like, oh, from an old system. It's like, okay, that's really not an answer, but whatever, you're old. You barely know what's going on anyway. Then he turns to her and goes, what about you, kid? She's like, oh, I don't know. He goes, well, why don't we find out? And it's just like, um, Lando, you are 70 years old, okay? Like, and this girl clearly isn't. So just back up. And these characters had no interaction with each other whatsoever. So it's kind of left that's like kind of creepy. Is he hitting on her? Something? But something interesting that came out recently is that Star Wars famously gets visual dictionaries made for them to accompany the film. And in the film, it mentioned that Lando had a daughter that went missing. And that was one of the reasons he went with Luke palling around the galaxy. And the age of his daughter matches up with Janna's age. So it's left pretty clear that 
Janna is Lando's daughter. And there's this whole subplot in the film where Finn admits that he's able to feel the Force. And the whole company, the whole Stormtrooper company that Janna was involved in, was similar like him. He was They were ordered to fire on civilians, and they refused, which is kind of like him. And he sums this up with them being able to feel the Force. And he mentions that the Force is what led him to Poe, to Rey, to the Resistance, that led him to his destiny, his purpose. So it leaves to imply that the same thing is happening to them. So, when given that context, and the context that she may be Lando's daughter, when they meet each other and go, hey, where are you from? Oh, let's find out where you're from. It makes sense, like, oh, the Force brought them together. They don't even know it. But we would know it as the audience because, oh, they're father and daughter. Oh, yay. But, like I said, that is from a supplementary source. It is not it is not information introduced in the film. Remember when I was saying that even if you have to watch a movie a few times, if you're able to still get the information from the film, that's not a plot hole. Like you're just looking for it better. That information is not introduced in this film. So that is a plot hole. That's something that they cut out in the film. So now we're just left with this weird information. And, and this implication that, uh-oh, uh, somebody should really tell them that they're related because this is a problem in Star Wars. Now, that is nowhere near the weirdest point of this film. Not even the most disappointing thing in this film. The most disappointing thing is that it's revealed that Rey is the granddaughter of Emperor Palpatine, the big bad guy from all of these movies. And that's what's really disappointing was because these the first two films, Force Awakens and Last Jedi, painstakingly set up that where she came from didn't matter. That her parents did abandon her. Like, she's from nowhere. She's, like, no one special. But she's someone who becomes special through her actions. She's someone who has every right to be a villain and she isn't. Like, I could go on and on about Ray's character, but the fact of the matter is, is that she's not special because she comes from somewhere. She's special because of who she chooses to be. You don't have to come from a magic heroic line, bloodline, to be special. You don't have to have midichlorians in your blood to be more strong with a force than anyone else. You are special for you being who you are. For taking action. For being the hero in your own story. And that's a pretty great message to kids. But no, because of negative reactions, because they had to make this movie safe as possible and to appeal to as much of the fan base as possible. It felt like they had to backpedal and go, oh no, yeah, you're a Palpatine. And what's really egregious about this decision is that it really adds 
nothing to this film. It raises more questions than it answers. Because think about this for a second. Ever Palpatine, you know, he... Let's see. Let's go from Revenge of the Sith, where he gets hit by lightning and he becomes all baconated. Okay? Then about 25 years go by, 23, 25, something like that, and then he gets thrown down an elevator shaft by his former intern. And then 30 years later, we find out that he has a granddaughter. So somewhere in that 50-plus timeline, he had a son. That son had a daughter. Now, at no point in any of these films was it indicated that he had a son. you think that would be big news that the Emperor had a son, had a child, had an heir to the throne. But okay, maybe he was a bastard? I guess? Was that weird? Because it also implicates that the Emperor, while in his baconated form, had sex. With a woman, presumably. And someone found his wrinkly ass attractive? And if they didn't, that leaves another horrible implication that I did not need in Star Wars. And also, it doesn't serve anything to the story. You could take out her being Palpatine's granddaughter and it doesn't change much you could keep in the part where her parents were killed while they were looking for her it could have just been because they established that she has this force power of healing which is introduced as something that they desire in revenge of the sith it was a power that anakin skywalker wanted to save his wife so palpatine could realize it's like oh that i, I want that power I want the power. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. No, oh, they won't give it to me? Okay, then kill her. That's another thing. He clearly states to Kylo Ren, he's like, Kill the girl. Kill the last Jedi. Because I'm the most campy villain ever. Oh, sorry. That voice kills my throat. I'm... I swear I'm going to lose my voice at the end of this. <laughs> But he clearly states that she want or he wants her dead. And then at the end of the film, he's like, oh, my dear, I never wanted you dead. I wanted you to kill me so my spirit can possess you and we can become the ultimate Sith. And it's like, OK, you clearly had your subordinates trying to kill her. Make up your damn mind. So they contradict their own film. So that's great. That's a plot hole. <laughs> but if you take out her being his granddaughter, it doesn't really change much to the film. Like you could still have it. It's like, I want to take over your body so that I can have a good body. So I'm not all baconated anymore and that I can have the power to heal and cheat death. I want that power so I can be immortal and I can rule everything because I'm a dick. 
it doesn't really change anything about Ray's character. They ruin her story arc that she's been building to, probably because they didn't know what else to do with her story. But again, it doesn't add anything really. So, that's what was really disappointing in this film, was that they had to backpedal to appease fan theories, and it doesn't add anything. And I couldn't help but feel that there was something really cool that they could have done, not only with just cutting that out because it didn't really have anything to do with this film but at the end of the film the climax where Emperor Palpatine is he at one point starts stealing the life force from both Kylo Ren and Rey because of their force bond he's able to heal himself and when he heals himself he goes from old and decrepit and missing fingers to Back to his Baconated form, which doesn't make sense. How did he go from not looking Baconated to his post-Baconated form? I don't know. Dark side's weird. The Force is weird. But whatever. He's got unlimited power again. And then he starts using that power to force lightning the sky and then to make all the ships in the sky that belong to the Resistance start falling out of the sky. Which, okay, first, it's a really cool part in the film where all the free ships in the galaxy start coming in to stop the final order, to stop the bad guys. Like, it's like saying that the galaxy is, re- is rejecting this fascist order, which I think is a great moment. And it leads to something that I think could have been really great. When, at the end of the film... Ray starts fighting back against Palpatine. She takes her lightsabers and starts deflecting the force lightning back at Palpatine, which, if you remember, is how he got baconated in the first place. And then he gets disintegrated, which I thought the whole point was you can't have Ray kill him because his spirit would infect her. But I guess that wasn't convenient to the plot anymore. So it just came down to who had the highest power level. Like, let me explain. In the original Star Wars, when Luke Skywalker faces Darth Vader, all he wants to do is kill him because he thinks he killed his father. He thinks he robbed him of something. He robbed him of his mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then he learns he is his father. So he spends the whole next movie trying to convince that his father can come back to light. That this piece of him can come back to light to prove that he's not evil. It becomes extremely personal. And at the end of the film, he is beckoned by the Emperor to kill his father, and he refuses. He throws away his lightsaber. He chooses the path of nonviolence. He gets tortured for it. And the ultimate battle of good versus evil comes down to... A father not letting his son die. That's pretty great. 
And what I think could have been even better in this film, you could still have the moment where Palpatine, like, Ray is, like, holding the Force lightning away. But then she could have, like, directed the energy back into the sky, into the ships that belong to the Resistance, that belongs to all these free people who are fighting the bad guys, the Final Order. She could have sent that energy and could have restored their power. And it could have been this metaphor where she's decided that she's going to share the force, share the power. She does something that no one else, not even the Jedi did before her. She decides to share the force with other people. She shares the power, something Palpatine is not capable of doing. And that is what you're supposed to do with a sequel. You're supposed to expand upon the ideas. You're supposed... And things are supposed to change at the end of the film. Nothing has really changed at the end of this film. In the prequel trilogy, what changed was that an empire was created. In the original trilogy, an empire was defeated. What really changed at the end of this film? Nothing really and it could have set up future films. Would that have meant that everyone could use the Force? What what new things could have you created? You could have done anything. But no. We're just left to go, okay, I guess fascist orders are going to keep coming up. And we're going to have to deal with that every once in a while. So ultimately, I'm left to think that this was disappointing because it could have been so much more. And that was ultimately my problem with this film. Yeah, there are things that are just dropped from the films entirely. Rose Tico, who was an amazing character in Last Jedi, completely takes a back seat, even though she was supposedly having an arc developed, but I guess they didn't want to do that anymore. So, that's what I was really disappointed in this film. Now, even though this movie plays safer than a padded room full of condoms, it still felt like a Star Wars film. Weirdly enough, and what I mean by that is that Star Wars has always changed the shape of the industry. When the original trilogy came out, it redefined science fiction, science fantasy. It redefined the film industry itself. These massive adventurous blockbusters, these it changed special effects forever. It changed merchandising forever. The prequels came along and everyone hated it. But it inspired other people to create their own versions of Star Wars. To create entirely new stories. These films made us think about Star Wars. Made us think and critically think it inspired me to create a podcast 
that thought these ideas were worth sharing. And that's ultimately what I think people keep coming back to Star Wars. Yeah, they might be theme park attractions, but they still got a lot of heart. They still connect with us on a human level. And I think that's what's important for movies, for shows, for any type of medium. If it connects with you and can connect to so many people in so many generations, that's saying something. And now we're getting whole new different types of Star Wars films. The Mandalorian. We're getting new Star Wars films. And we're getting a generation of people who are... Yes, it's run by a mega conglomerate. But so many people are getting to tell their Star Wars stories that weren't possible before. I remember one of the very first things I looked up on the internet was StarWars.com. And I discovered all these fan films that they had on there. And I watched so many of them. So many people having their own version, like their own parodies, their own little short films. I've seen an uptick in Star Wars short films within the last few weeks on YouTube. People recreating and seeing... What is possible through Star Wars? What is what they want to see? And they're creating new things out of it. They're creating entirely new stories. Not even in Star Wars, just what they wanted to see. It's the spark of creativity. And it's leading to so much more. I saw this film... With my dad. And I think a lot of people have this story. But my dad saw the film when he was 17 years old. Saw the first one. I believe he saw the second one on his second date with my mom. I remember seeing the special edition of Return of the Jedi when I was a kid. I remember sitting through the prequels and thinking they were pretty good. But I was also in middle school. I remember when I saw The Last Jedi with my dad. And I remember when Aunt, when Luke Skywalker died and became one with the Force and he disappeared. I gasped a little bit, but I knew what it meant. I was at peace with it. And I shared that moment with my dad. And I couldn't help but think, thinking back on his life, how he's experiences it. And now he's experiencing it. With his own son. And he saw this last film. With both of his grown up sons. Who've been inspired by these films. That's some real magic. I mean. When you see. Film. Little clips on YouTube. Of a little girl. Meeting Ray at Disneyland. And getting so excited. That both of them are moved to tears. That's some pretty magical stuff. So even with all its faults, its inconsistent story, and yes, all the lightsabers and aliens and space battles, those are definitely Star Wars, but like I said, inconsistent stories, 
bad decisions, marketing ploys. These are all things that Star Wars has always been about. And every Star Wars film that has ever come out has always been told that it's the worst one. Empire Strikes Back was said to be worse than the first Star Wars. Return of the Jedi. Each one of the prequels. Each one of these films. I think eventually I will get over it. I mean, there are things I would change in the original trilogy. There are things I wish would have been a lot more cohesive. But maybe that will inspire me or someone else to create something entirely new. And that's ultimately what this industry is about. Creating what you want to see in the world. And I think that's pretty damn special. So those are my thoughts on The Rise of Skywalker. Ultimately, it's not a great film. It's not a bad film. But I think it's worth it. It's worth it for the whole family. And it's worth it for Star Wars. So you should definitely check it out. That's going to be it for me today, guys. I am losing my voice. But I'm glad I got this out here. Um, I So thank you all for listening. I'm going to post some more review stuff. Because there was some stuff that came out in the last two months. That I really want to talk about. And I will be getting to soon. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.